when I was a young man, I categorized people into us and them. There was us and them. Part of that was because I spent time growing up in an independent, fundamental, soul-winning church. And there were some good things that came as a result of being part of a church like that. I I've got my call to be a pastor in that context. Um, I read through the New Testament for the very first time. And part of that was because I thought I would go to hell if I didn't. But I read the New Testament. That was a good thing. Um, there were some not-so-good not things that came out of that context. One of them was uh, I was a little judgmental. When I showed up at college, I was kind of judging everyone else who showed up at college. And I saw things as an us-and-them set of categories. I would see somebody reading a Bible, and if I saw that it wasn't the King James Version, I would think to myself, ooh, they probably don't believe in Jesus. Today, and I'm like, really? They're reading the Bible, you know, okay? So categorizing people into us and them is very convenient. Everybody does it. There are harmless ways, like UK in Louisville. (laughs) Jerry Abramson, who until this holiday season was our lieutenant governor and was the mayor of Louisville for a long time, the number one question he would get asked as he traveled throughout Kentucky, Mr. Abramson, I just got to know, are you for UK? And he would say, 364 days out of the year, I'm for UK. And that was not good enough. (laughs) Okay? There's Packers and Seahawks. (laughs) Today, there will be rejoicing and crying. Okay? Harmless. There's Star Trek and Star Wars. I was at an Oikos meal where there was a lengthy discussion about whether the 10th doctor or the 11th doctor was the better doctor in Doctor Who. And uh, I, I, last year, I got a kick out of this. I saw a bumper sticker on a car, and it said the phrase that you see a lot, coexist, only instead of the symbols of all the different religions, it was made up of starships of all the different sci-fi series. So it was like a, it was Star Trek, Star Wars, Babylon 5, you know, coexist. I, I had to chuckle. Yeah, I know. Nice. Those are harmless us and thems. There are harmful us and thems. Like, you may not agree with me in this, but I, I think the Republican Democrat us and them has probably been harmful to American culture. There's a lot of things our elected leaders probably should be doing to kind of help us all out, and they just can't, you know, they can't get anything done. Um, and you'll experience that in your Facebook feed, right? Because this is an election year. Right, it's next year, but it starts right now. <laughs> it's a very long election year. <laughs> it goes, you know, 600 and some days. Um, and your Facebook feed will be full of us and them for the next, you know, two years. I know. Christians do the same thing. Did you know this? Christians can categorize into us and them. They do that. Um, In my days as a Baptist, there were Baptists, and then there was everyone who was unsaved. (laughs) And when I would meet people for the first time and they would find out that I was a Baptist, they would, they would, uh, their, their favorite joke to me was, well, you know, 
I heard a story about a man who died and went to heaven, and Peter gave him this great tour, and there were Pentecostals and Catholics and people from all races, and the streets were gold, and it was just better than what they thought of. And he turned a corner, and there's this giant 12-foot wall, and he turns to Peter, and he says, what is that wall for, Peter? And Peter says, oh, that's where the Baptists, uh, they're on the other side. They think they're the only ones up here. And I would go, heh, 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 heh. I didn't think it was funny back then, okay? Um, there, are, there are people who, in all seriousness, if you don't have a prayer language or speak in tongues, they look at you as a second-class citizen. Um, even in Wilmore, among holiness traditions, if you haven't had a second blessing, and you're like, what is that? You know, you're second-class Christian somehow, some way. You're just not everything you ought to be. And then in the 1980s and 1990s, we got into worship wars, where if you did guitars and drums, you know, you looked at all the churches that had organs and pews as like, you guys are losers and da-da-da. And then all the people with organs and pews were like, you're just compromising to culture. And it was us and them, again. It's kind of, it's very important to move beyond us and them. And I want to share with you today a teaching from Jesus that is really, really important. Nicholasville needs Christians who will embrace and live this teaching. Jessamine County needs Christians who will embrace and live this teaching. Now, before I get to this, and it's found in Mark 9, I want to tell you a few things about Nicholasville that you may not realize. One, Nicholasville, since 2008, has gotten more transient. In other words, there are more people who move here looking for work. They stay three months, and then they're gone. It's more transient. Nicholasville has gotten substantially poorer since 2008. Um, if you talk to anybody who does works with things like f- food relief, uh, help with electric bills, uh, those kinds of things, they'll tell you that just the requests for help have skyrocketed. I mean, they're seven times what they used to be. There's a lot of hurting people in this city that are living not just paycheck to paycheck, but they just don't have enough in any given month. And some of you are like, amen, okay, right? Nicholasville has gotten poor. The other thing about Nicholasville is that it's gotten less religious. It really has gotten less religious. Uh, When I moved here, it was a city of 13,000 people. Today, it's a city of about 30,000 people. And the four or so churches that have been started in that time add up to maybe 800 of those 17,000 people that have moved into the city, okay? So those are some things to keep in mind about Nicholasville as we talk about what Jesus teaches in Mark chapter 9. So if you brought a Bible, I would love for you to open it to the Gospel of Mark chapter 9, and we're going to be in verses 38, 39, 40, and 41. Mark chapter 9. Oh, and it's on the screen. It's so awesome. Okay, I'm going to get excited now. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw somebody using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he was not in our group. Booyah. The irony of this statement from John is that if you go to the first part of chapter 9, the we part of that, the disciples were trying to cast out a demon and they couldn't. And so they come across this guy who is casting out a demon. And what do they tell him to do? Hey, stop that. You can't do that. I just did. No, you can't do that. Okay, so... This is what, it's just great irony, okay? They're stopping him because, in part, they say it right here. 
he wasn't in our group. Hey, boss, he's not one of us. He's not one of the 12. He can't do that. Did we just cover he just did? (laughs) Okay, so they're upset and they're frosted and and there's an us-themness that plays out. He's not part of our group, therefore he can't, he shouldn't. And so we told him to stop. Now, this someone apparently is a follower of Jesus. Notice they don't say, oh, he's clueless about you, Lord. He's not, you know... It, it's the, the issue is that he's not in our group. Okay, so keep reading with me, and we'll pick it up verse 39. Jesus said, don't stop him. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. This guy, this someone, has taken sides. And if there are sides, it's Jesus and anti-Jesus. And by casting out demons, the guy has basically decided to side with Jesus. (laughs) I'm glad you guys are so bright. Um, And Jesus says in this statement, no one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. In other words, he's casting out demons. It's not like five months from now he's going to be going, Jesus is awful. No, don't stop him. Don't stop him. All right? Like so many categories in the New Testament and in the Gospels, Jesus redefines us and them. Whoever is not against us is for us. Paul makes a similar argument, by the way, in Philippians 1, verses 17 and 18. This is what Paul says. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. That doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, so I'm happy. I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. You're like, what is going on there? Okay, so there are some people preaching the gospel. Trust me, if they were preaching an errant gospel, a wrong gospel, a heretical gospel, Paul would be all over them like a bulldog. He would be calling them names. So apparently they're preaching the real deal gospel. It's just they don't like Paul. And people from the first century write that Paul wasn't really that good of a speaker. He had constant issues with suffering, imprisonment. You know, and maybe there's whatever it is, personality, we don't know. They just didn't care for Paul. And Paul is saying in these two verses, hey, they don't like me. They don't want to hang with me. They're trying to stick it to me, but you know what? They're preaching the gospel, so I'm happy. may not be advancing Paul, but it's advancing Jesus, so I'm happy. Are you getting this? All right? So let's go back to verse uh, 41 of Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 41. If anyone gives you even a cup because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will truly be rewarded. Gives you. You gives you because you bring the good news. You bring the gospel. You are helping usher in the kingdom of God because you represent me. So if someone helps you because you're doing something in my name, that person will surely be what? 
So whoever is not against us is for us. This is a hard thing for Christians in America, I think, or at least churchgoers in America. And if there's three things I could pull out of this passage, it would be these. One, this somebody in this passage, this anyone in this passage, they're only going to speak well of Jesus. By casting out a demon, they're only going to speak well of Jesus down the road. Two, they're on the same side as we are. It's not us, them. It's us, us. Us, us. They will be rewarded for their service. That's the third thing that's clear and obvious. So let me ask a question. When it comes to Christianity and Christian experience, do you tend to view Christians who are in churches that have choirs or speak in tongues or use only the King James Version as them? Or do you tend to view that as us? Even though it might make you uncomfortable, even though that's not your flavor preference, even though when you do the Bible, you do the glow Bible. And it's awesome because it's full immersion experience. You're like, what is the glow Bible? I'll tell you later, right? Here's where this hits the road. Here's where this hits the road. Today, I want you to see that our competition is not other churches. Our competition is not other churches. 80% of the people who live in Jessamine County opt out of church in any given week. So let me put this in perspective. If you had thousands of people and 20% of them had UK blue t-shirts and 80% of them had Louisville t-shirts, what would you conclude about all those thousands of people? UK or Louisville? It would be Louisville. (laughs) Wrong, right? So 80% of the people in this community opt out of church. Our competition, our competition is anything that keeps somebody out of church on a regular basis. They want to hang out and have a family. One of the favorite things in my Facebook feed are, let's grab a late lunch together. Let's do some family time at 11 o'clock. Oh, it's sunny. Oh, it's such a beautiful day. Let's do something outside. Oh, it's raining. It's horrible. We can't go out in this kind of, you know, any, any reason. Um, stayed up too late. Or f- opinions about Christians. You know, those Christians, they're such fill in the blank. And, and those are all legitimate reasons. Some of them more legitimate than others. But our competition is in other churches. When I have somebody say to me as a pastor and make some kind of comment about, all the churches in the area, I look at them like they're nuts. And I'm like, well, first of all, that's not my competition. Uh, Secondly, 80% of the people are saying, thanks, but no thanks. I think there's plenty of room for more churches. (laughs) Um, So that's the first thing I want you to see is that our competition isn't other churches. The second thing where this hits the road for you is if you're passionate about something, about God's kingdom, uh, and it's not a ministry that Generations does or is going to do, I want you to feel totally empowered to go in the community and find people who have that same passion and serve with them. Lead, go, serve. I mean, make what they're doing better. Make it stronger. Um, And when you're going, know that you're going as a representative of us. You're going as a generation's ministry. Let's say, for example, you know how to sign. And you come to me and you're like, I totally want to do a sign ministry, signing ministry at generations. I'm like, everybody can hear here right now. But here in Jessamine County, boom, I'm going to encourage you to go partner alongside with people who have that same gift and passion so that you're making a kingdom difference. Um, the third thing is that while I want you to pray for 
provision for generations and whatnot, I want you to look for ways to make a kingdom impact in the community. So those are three things about us and them that I think apply to you where, you, where the rubber hits the road for where you live as a follower of Jesus. There's some ways that this impacts us as a church. One way is that we have very few essentials. Uh, essential doctrines, essential values. You'll find them on our website. Outside of those essentials, we agree to disagree here. And when it comes to a host of theological and social issues in this room, there is wide diversity (laughs) of opinion. And we agree to disagree, and you know what? We get along, and we like it that way. We do. Um, The second way that this impacts us as a church is that we purposely don't duplicate something that another church is doing. So you come to me and you say, Max, I've shed 75 pounds. I've got five tubs of clothes. I want these clothes to be used by somebody. I don't want to take them to goodwill because those people are shysters. I want to, you know, I want to actually bless somebody with these clothes. Da 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 da. Can I be like shysters, really? And you know, we get in, <laughs> and so we get into a conversation. And so I will say to you, you know what? We don't have a clothing ministry, but Brenda at the Nicholasville United Methodist, they've got a kicking clothing thing. Go, here's Brenda's number. You go talk to her and get those tubs over there. I get grumpy. I get genuinely grumpy when I run into a church that's duplicating something that's already in the community because in this community there are so many things that are needed but aren't in place. This community has has a huge deficit about basic kingdom things right here in Jesuit County. And so I get grumpy when somebody tells me, oh, well, we're, yeah, our church is doing a clothing thing too because, you know, we're going to do it better. Or, you know, we're doing a clothing ministry because really we want it to have the first church logo and everything else on it. And I'm like, whose kingdom are you advancing? You know, so do you sense the grumpiness? Come on. It's real grumpiness because Jesus is right in what he's teaching. So the last thing that I want to call out about this is that if there's another church in the area, that's actually us. We're, We're on the same team. I don't know if you've noticed this, but we actually pray for other churches at Generations. Have you noticed that from time to time? You're like, that is the weirdest thing. I've never been in a church that prays for other churches. I know. It should be like all over, shouldn't it? (laughs) We're all on the same team. It's why I'll pray for other churches. It's why when somebody starts a new church, I'll reach out to them. One of the saddest things to me is that the last two churches that got started in Jesmond County, I was the only pastor to reach out to them. And I'm like, what? And they were so grateful. They were like, oh, thank you. We could, you know, appreciate the prayer, appreciate the help, da da da, da. Again, 80% of people in our community are opting out. I think there's plenty of room <laughs> for some reaching people thing. Um, so again, these other churches are not our competition. They are us. We are them. We're all in this kingdom of God boat together, all right? Um, I want to let you in on a little secret. Uh, if you read the Jesmond Journal, you'll see this long list of churches. You know, there's like a gazillion of them, probably 5,466, I don't know. It just seems like a lot, right? So if you look at this list in the Jesmond Journal, here's one of the things that's true about that list. One, the overwhelming majority of those churches can't even muster 50 on Easter Sunday. Two, the vast majority of them, the, the congregation is entirely over the age of 60 or 65. In, in just the last 10 years, four churches have closed in this community. I'm going to tell you that uh, that list will be half of what it is by the time I retire. Half. They will close. 
there's plenty of room in this community. One of the reasons that that's the case, I think, is because uh, there's been uh, 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 an idea in a lot of our churches that passing on faith is somebody else's responsibility. You know, we dedicated a baby today, right? Did you know that we're on a mission? Did you know that? We are here to turn religiously tired people into followers of Jesus, who in turn will do the same for other people and for their own children. If Zach and Karen are blessed to live to be 80 years old, and Lillian, and let's say God blesses them with other kids, are grown up, and they have grandkids, and Lillian opts out of Jesus, opts out of church, it will break Zach and Karen's heart. It will. I can't tell you when I go in settings with older people, and the prayer request goes something like, would you please pray for my son? He's in Phoenix. Um... He and his wife are separated. They don't go to church. I see my grandbabies once a year. I don't know where they stand with God. Please pray for them. I am worried about my grandbabies, and I'm worried about my son. Trust me, this is important. This is really, really important. And we need a togetherness thing. So I fully empower you when you encounter other believers at work or whatnot that have the whole competition mindset, Understand, even though they may not get it, they're your brother or sister. They are. And we're all working together to help usher in God's kingdom because Jesus is that awesome.